Welcome to the Inspired Teachers Dad podcast. We are Kim Wilkins and Laura Woldridge, just two teachers trying to podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us. Our goal is to help you by discussing a variety of topics that will help you as a whole, in the same way we want to focus on the whole child. On this podcast, we will be talking in and outside the classroom. Hello, everybody. Our second Q&A episode will be here before we know it. It will be released on November the 8th. Be on the lookout for social media posts to gather questions on October 6th. Reflect on your time teaching and everything you've done this year or talk to your friends about questions you have and post them, post some of your questions, theirs and yours. We want to help you problem solve. All right. So last week we shared participation and engagement strategies that can be applied to any content area. Really, a lot of those you could just whip out of your pocket. I did today. (laughs) Very good. All right. We aren't going to review the strategies, but we want to remind you of important things to remember as you implement your strategies. One of the first things we want to remind you of is, especially the little hairy strategies, Mm -hmm. I highly recommend that you try them out with a fun topic that they already know instead of on your content. So talking about your favorite food or. So they can focus on the procedure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First. Mm-hmm. And so the answers that they need to come up with as they're sharing with their partner or moving around the room are just quick. Right. Yeah. That's that, that has helped me a lot in the, in the past, in the past. Yeah. I think that's a good one because we tend to want to jump right in there with content mm-hmm. and then we lose control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They just. There's too many things to focus on. Right. So either learn the strategy or learn the content, but but not both. That's right. (laughs) Our brains can only do so much. Uh Yeah. And you get better Mm -hmm. the more you do it. Yeah. And the kids get so much better. So much better. They do. Volume. What about that? Oh, volume is a huge deal when we're doing these strategies that activate lots of social. Mm Mm-hmm. And you've got to make sure that you're really setting expectations from the beginning as you roll it out and that you practice that Mm -hmm. and that we don't want to become a yeller or a negative person as we're implementing strategies. We want this to be a fun occasion and a learning occasion. Right. I think just thinking about as you're doing it, what should, as you're planning it, what should the volume sound like? Mm -hmm. And then how can I communicate and monitor it? Yeah, that that can happen so easily. Get out of. I was I was just thinking about Jacob Webb. He was one of my students um, at the college level, and he was doing doing his internship. And he came back one time, and he was like, "Miss Wooldridge, you told me to nip things in the bud." And I was like, <laughs> "Well, this isn't a really big deal." And he said, "It's an avalanche now." <laughs> So guys, as you're implementing things, really not just engagement strategies, but knit problems in the bud immediately. Avoid the avalanche at all costs. (laughs) We should write a book, Avoid the Avalanche. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Visual support. No matter what age that you're teaching, they need the visual support. Kim and I would need it if we were attending a workshop and doing a strategy. Just the directions written out. Mm -hmm. I like to have... um, just a Google slide with mm-hmm. my directions and I just name it the strategy. Yeah. And so then the next, if I use it two months down the road, mm-hmm. I don't have to remake it. Mm-hmm. 
But, you know, and well, many times I, I'm just known for slapping it up on the board and writing out some quick bullet points. But the Google Slides is great. It's easy. It's easy. And they need it because they forget the steps mm-hmm. until yeah. it's gone underground. Yeah. And then even then, just like in meetings, you know, how we'll review our norms. Mm-hmm. We still need that visual and they do too. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even adults do. So, um, modeling and modeling and guiding and guiding, <laughs> they need it again, no matter what age, just when you're trying out something new, it's great to model and then practice and practice and with our guidance, with our feedback, right? Immediate feedback, immediate feedback, mm-hmm. corrective, supportive. The content of today's episode is all about engagement and participation strategies within different content areas. Laura and I chose some of our favorites and we're looking forward to sharing them with you. Yeah. So as we're last week, we were focused on just content strategies that could be focused anywhere. This week, it's more, this is a math strategy or this is a reading strategy. Now, I want to challenge you listeners to really get creative. Kim and I will talk about ways that we've implemented it, but I think I know that you can take it and be creative and oh, I think so too. Make it work for your room. That's true. All right, what do you have for us first, Kim? The first one is the triangle, square, circle, mm-hmm. fiction, nonfiction, um, both for retelling, okay, oral retelling, and for writing. I've used it a lot of different ways. I've made it on a flip book for little bitty kids. I've made it on a graphic organizer for for older students. But the triangle, let's take nonfiction, for instance. You would put character setting and plot. Hold on. So, listeners, she's going to draw. Oh. Like, yeah, if you're on YouTube, you can see it. So, but we have a triangle. Picture, and, picture like a piece of paper a triangle. if you're just listening. And, and she's going to draw a triangle. And then a square. A square underneath the triangle. And then a circle. And then a circle underneath. So three shapes in in a column. That's right, in a (laughs) column. So in the triangle, you would think about the setting where the story takes place, Mm -hmm. the characters who are in the story, and the problem or the beginning of the plot. And then in the square, I usually put a one, two, three, and four in each of the corners. And that represents four major events that occur. And then the circle is the resolution. Just how is that wrapped up? Mm-hmm. Now, Lars used this a lot for fiction or for, for non-fiction. Yeah. For non-fiction. So the setting, let's take a, you said you used it with uh, JFK's yeah. assassination. We did the t- kind of the timeline retelling of so, it. So uh, Dallas. So we did, I put more nonfiction terms here. Mm-hmm. So it was like, where, who, what. Where, who, what. Okay. I had a fiction version of this graphic organizer, and then I had a nonfiction version. So then the one, two, three, four. The, stayed the same, the and the resolution major. stayed the same. Okay. And kind of what happened at the ending, yeah. so still the conclusion, really. But this is just great because it does give students a, a structure for a summary Mm-hmm. or um, just a, a narrative writing piece. Yes, and for note-taking, I've used it for that for kids. While they're, if they're reading a story, they can take notes oh, okay. beside it. You know, you could do that for uh, nonfiction as well, but 
they write down the character, the setting, mm. the problem, and then they write down the four events and then they write down the conclusion. It's just a visual for them. And now they have an outline. And now they have an outline. Or a study tool to uh -huh. review. So you could do the same thing, who, where, what, mm -hmm. and then major events, major events, mm -hmm. and then the conclusion, how, how the issue was resolved or not resolved, just what happened at the end. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's a fun one and it's easy and you can use it for all ages, really, um, depending on how you set it up. Like I said, for little kindergartners, I had a flip book mm -hmm. and I just raised it up, raised up a flap and we wrote it oh, up under there. Yeah. So I just took a big piece of um, poster board okay. and folded it in half and cut it in thirds. And I had a triangle on the first flip, a square on the second one and a circle on the ending one. And then that was also a retelling piece. I put pictures in there and they could sort the pictures under the. How cute. So that was really good for kindergarten mm -hmm. first grade. I'm picturing, And also like you could do a foldable. Yes, I've done a foldable. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think I have that in a Google Doc somewhere. Yeah. They could just flip it and write down those things. Yeah. I did it a foldable. But I love it because a lot of times we'll see pre-writing organizers, like the hamburger. Right. I mean, the hamburger is cute, but it is not practical. No, it isn't. I, I, you, you know your teachers, you know your kids over there who are drawing that hamburger and taking <laughs> forever and never getting to the writing piece. Yeah. Uh, and so a triangle, a square, and a circle mm -hmm. is quick. Right. Or I think it would be great even just, if if you and I were partnered up and we were having to re we were having to retell right. a story yeah. orally, yes. just that I could hit those points. Mm -hmm. And so if you set your triangle up, people with that S at the top, I used it as a writing thing with my third graders on a dark and stormy night. Kim and Laura were blank and just getting the plot going. We're just two teachers trying to podcast. Thank <laughs> <laughs> for God for Chris. Oh, I was just uh, checking. I was like, did we forget to press it? Did forgot to press record. There's the problem. Oh, man. So Kim and I are, last week we made our first, what do you call them? Real. Real. Mm -hmm. And we chose to model that strategy. So yeah. you can check on Facebook so, or Instagram. That's coming out tomorrow. Well, no. I, actually. No. Oh. No. No. <laughs> Just know. look for Just it. Just check. It's <laughs> called the shape summary. Yes. The shape summary. A, a very simple graphic organizer that can be replicated for a retelling or as a pre-writing organizer for a narrative. Mm -hmm. Anything that has sequence as its driver. That's right. Okay. I love it. Now what's next? Okay. The next one is also a literacy strategy. However, if you are teaching content, science, social studies, anything like that, you can use this too. Okay. Tell me about it. All right. So this is called a kernel sentence, like a popcorn kernel. Mm -hmm. I got this from, if you guys have been trained in the Hockman method, H-O-C, no, H-O-C-H-M-A-N, the Hockman method. Um, this is a strategy that they use in the Hockman method. So you start out, I tell my students, with a baby, baby sentence. Like, she slept. Oh, okay. okay. And the point is to make that sentence pop. So let's take the kernel and let's make it popcorn. Okay. Or let's take it baby, baby and make it great. Very sophisticated. So what you do is, like, I would put my sentence, she slept, up on the board. And I would just have a conversation. All right, guys, I've got this sentence. She slept. 
Well, whoop de do. <laughs> Where did she sleep? Who is she? How like I just start getting them questioning. Okay. And so really I at the beginning, as always, am modeling that investigation, you know, kind of thinking, curiosity about it. And so I would list my questions. Typically I do about three. So I've chosen where, how, and who. And I write those underneath my sentences. And we go ahead and answer those. So where did she sleep? On the couch. How did she sleep? Soundly. Mm-hmm. Um, who is it? Well, it's Kim. And so then we put it all together and make a great sentence. And my sentence is, Kim slept soundly on the couch. Okay. So now I know who, how, and where. So that kind of reminds me of what we learned from William Van Cleve. Remember, didn't he, didn't we do sentence? Well, he was a little Hawkman-ish, so I bet. I think so. Yeah. Okay. It's him so much. Oh, yeah. Let's try it, listeners. Um, How about they learned? Okay. Who learned? Okay. Um, And what did they learn? And what did they learn? And why did they learn it? Okay. Who, why, and what? Okay. All right. So I made us up a sentence based on the podcast. Are you ready, listeners? Oh. So when, oh, and I included when too. So when last week. Last week. Okay. um, Who, the podcast listeners, um, what they um, learned some strategies and why it's to help engage their kids. Okay. So my sentence is last week, podcast listeners learned strategies to help engage students in learning. Wow. That's good. That's way better than they learned. Mm -hmm. And if you are a teacher, I assume that you have experienced many times reading sentences like they learned. Mm -hmm. Very vague. (laughs) Very vague. Mm -hmm. And my recommendation to you is if you're going to use the kernel strategy is first do it together with most of the work being on you. So you're being silly if you want to be silly or you can just be Be you. Be you, yeah. But you are modeling, you know, where, who, when, why, how, but it's got to be words that would be appropriate to your kiddos. And I I like to care, I like to look at my sentences and then carefully choose some good question words, Mm -hmm. thinking about who my audience is and thinking about, are we going to write it or are we just going to orally do it? Mm -hmm. If I'm just doing this as a verbal thing, then... I can go pretty far. Do you think that it would be better to just orally do it first Absolutely. for, for a little bit of time mm-hmm. and then and then move over to writing it? Yeah. Even with high schoolers. Okay. I mean, you have to really think if you think about the learning learning continuum, we first hear things, then we say them, then we read them, then we write them. Okay. And so any investment in oral language is going to be great. Okay. Because if they're not writing sentences, great sentences, they're probably not speaking them. No, either. they aren't. That's true. And so no, I think you're exactly invested. Right. Okay. Um, my social studies and science teachers can use this by, you can use it as a comprehension text. So a bell ringer or even on a quiz, it could be, I have seen an example of um, something like they built pyramids. No, or they built. 
something something just very basic. Okay. And so the teacher supplied the question words, and the student had to write out a sentence with those questions addressed with their content. With their content. Uh-huh. So history teachers and science teachers, I can see this being very helpful to you. I think it would be a great do now. I do too. Yeah, I love it. So um, let's see. I've used it myself as a teacher, but it really ups the oral language. Mm -hmm. And it, of course, if you up the oral language, then it helps with reading and writing. And this is the way I would do it. If my kids are running off the playground and they're giving me a kernel sentence, I say, pop it. Oh, pop it. Make that make that sentence stronger. Yeah. You know, so if we're if we can prompt our students to do that orally, then of course we'll see fruit of it. Okay. Oh, I like it. I do too. That's a good one. Okay. There's one that I like to do. It's called probable passage. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, when I was in college in a history class, I don't remember the history class, but I remember that the professor gave us a list of vocabulary words. And then we had to use that to write a paragraph, just a paragraph about what we wanted, what we thought this piece was going to be about that Mm -hmm. we were going to learn. And I I just remember it had Pliny the Elder. No idea. (laughs) Had no clue. You're speaking a foreign language Uh, to me. There were words in there that I, I totally blew that paragraph but it got me thinking mm-hmm. and then when he explained it and got into the lecture I was like oh that's what that's about so this is a pre-reading strategy it is a pre-reading strategy and I think oh here I've got a copy of one so what you would do is you would give now this is for a narrative piece but you could do it for you could do it for content as well mm-hmm. just like my history teacher did but you put the vocabulary up for them, the setting, um, the characters, and then and they write out the events. Or you could not give them any of it except the vocabulary, and they can choose the setting and the characters. characters. So I have done this with an article about women's suffrage. Oh, you have? I gave my students about 15 words. So Elizabeth Cady Statton. Uh, Lucretia Mott, um, polls, like I just chose different words Mm -hmm. and then I gave them the different topics. So it was who, where, um, events and things like that. So they would take all of the words and they would just sort them. Then they would create their. Yes, I've seen it done like that too. They sort it by, by the function of the word, Mm -hmm. right? So if it's a noun, the who or the where or. Okay. And then they can take that and then write there because it's called probable passage. mm -hmm. So what is the prediction? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I think kids usually like it because Uh a lot of times it's funny. Yeah. they are (laughs) Because they really don't have much of it. Mine wasn't very smart. But so, (laughs) yeah. So what Laura's saying is that you would have a graphic organizer and the mm-hmm. vocabulary would be written up here and you'd have who and where and what? Let's see. I think I did events. Okay. Events. Oh, and then I put unknown. Okay. Oh, yes. That's mm-hmm. how I've seen it done before, too. Like if it's an unknown vocabulary, it'd be like that. So then the, the vocabulary words, they would sort into 
its function, mm-hmm. right? And then write a, a paragraph. So then it would be like, they would just take a guess. Lucretia, so they take a who, Lucretia Mott, and where at Seneca Falls tried to, they're just making predictions, but I like having the things, the vocabulary words sorted because then it kind of gives them a structure to make their sentences. Mm-hmm. Well, at 18, I didn't know who Pliny the Elder was. <laughs> I'd be like, is that a place or a I thing? that or- was something <laughs> bad happening to Pliny or to, El- to the Elder. They were going to, I mean, I was so, I did not know how to do that. So probable passage can be used. You can use it fiction or nonfiction. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you could use it in science, you, right? Oh, I, you could do it. Science. It's history. beautiful for history. Yes. And then for your fiction stories, mm-hmm. teachers. Yeah. So then they make, it, it helps them kind of, you know, we teach kids to think about make predictions about what the piece is going to be about Mm -hmm. and it causes them to, to do that. It gives them a starting base. Mm -hmm. Um, The concept of priming the brain, it just primes their brain with words they will hear. Mm -hmm. Um, That's another way to introduce that vocabulary mm -hmm. too, because then they start to think about the function of that word and right. And what it might mean. Mm -hmm. And then they also get to think about what they don't already know. Yeah. You know, it would be, oh, it would be so cute to do, like, do their prediction and then make them do a, I want to know more about statement. Oh, yeah. Or I, looking forward to learning Uh thing. I've done this with a pocket chart. So every word was on a sentence strip. Okay. you know, I yeah, cut them card. down since card and to, to begin modeling the strategy with my students, then I would do that. Um, okay. And that was with adults. Okay. So, I love it. I have, I love yeah, that. That's one of my favorite ones. You taught that to me a long time ago and I have used it. Okay. My next one is something called showdown and showdown is a Kagan strategy. You can use the strategy for math problems, for vocabulary, for the questions at the end of a chapter, um, questions at the end of a unit, it's it's just a good one. My recommendation to you is this is a strategy where there are one or two answers, okay, not fifteen, okay, okay. So students are in groups for this strategy. I put mine in fours, fours or fives, and what happens is. Instead of looking at problems on a worksheet or questions on a worksheet, you can just um, type them out and print them out on a sheet of paper and and make a pile of them. So you cut them apart and it's a pile of questions or a pile of problems and they are turned upside down. So the students cannot see the problem. They are pretty much in the middle of the table. And what I do is I'm always using my table mats. So I might say, all right, um, the student who is closest to two, you are starting off, draw a card. And so they draw the card and maybe it says two times three or what is the state capital of Texas or who is the main character of the story, whatever, question, question or problem. And they show it to their table. And so they flash it and everybody else at the table 
is writing their response, writing, not saying, their response either on a whiteboard, a personal whiteboard, or a piece of paper. And what the what the captain, the the question shower is waiting for is to watch for everyone to be done. Oh, okay. And so what I do is typically before we start, I say, okay, what's our signal going to be when you're finished with it? And if it's Christmas time, we make rain do it to your ears. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's just my whiteboard will be turned over, um, a thumbs up close to my heart, whatever you want it to be. But once the the captain sees that everyone's done, the captain says, showdown. And everybody flashes their response. And what happens is we're checking each other's boards. And if we disagree, then we have to figure it out together. Oh, that's good. It's beautiful. And then if we agree, we, we, we explain how do we get that? Because you and I and our other two partners may have solved the problem differently. Okay. So there's still a discussion, even if we agree. Okay. So that problem is done. Everybody erases their boards or draws a line underneath it. And then the question pile, my number three person draws. So the same person is not saying showdown every time. And the same person is not drawing the the board. And so then the responsibility just switches. The person who holds the card, are they working the problem as well? I made my students go ahead. They go ahead and work the problem. I can't remember. I think that... I think the design may not have that person doing it, but I I made mine do it. Okay. Uh, but it is cute. I'm, I'm telling you, some college kids had a blast with this uh, strategy. That is awesome. And even, you know, little kids, you know, you're just going to have to be mindful kindergarten first about when to roll that out mm-hmm. in the year. Volume control is huge on this one because they do get so excited. Mm-hmm. Um, so would you, you, I see that in math, maybe chemistry. Oh, I'm thinking like Luke is doing the periodic table right now. Yeah. Chemistry. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess English, you could do it for, um, like editing. Um, uh, what punctuation Punctuation. mark, like they could have sentences and what punctuation mark would go there. Uh, it's beautiful for history. It is an alternative to a study guide. That's great. Teachers, let's quit sending home study guides. Mm-hmm. It is just, it's just promoting memorization and, and not learning. And not learning. And showdown is where you'll review all your stuff that you want to you want reviewed before your test. And they're having fun. And when we tap our emotions, we remember more. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not memorizing the content. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Hello. What do you have for us? Laura, the next one is one that's partner reading, mm-hmm. and it is something that I've done forever. However, changed my stance on this a bit. Okay. You know, typically with partner reading, they just take turns reading. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no feedback. But this is a piece that I like to use. So there's partner A, paragraph one, partner B, uh Paragraph two, partner A, paragraph three, partner B, paragraph four, right? So they're going to read or pages or whatever that assignment is. So the first thing that happens is partner A will read a section of the text and record the page numbers that they're reading. That's all partner A does. I'm going to read, write down the page numbers. 
when I finish, if you're partner B, you're going to summarize what I just said. Okay. So you have to tell me what I just read about. And then together we decide what's the most important thing. And once we decide the most important thing, you're going to write that down in this box. All right. Then we change roles. Now you're going to read to me and I'm going to listen. You're going to be the summarizer. And then I summarize what you Mm -hmm. said. Then we decide together Mm -hmm. what is the most important thing, the most important details, the main idea, whatever. And then I write down what we have determined to be the main idea, the most important information. So then both partners are not just passively reading or listening. They have to be engaged. That's right. This, to me, has been an answer for engagement with partner reading Mm -hmm. because not, I'm just not just listening to you read. Right. I have to use that information in some Mm -hmm. way. Then we discuss it and we decide, you know, we, we sift and sort what's, what's, what's essential and what's non-essential and decide a way to summarize that. So now we're summarizing and we're writing. So it's a lot of things in one one activity that could be very passive. Mm-hmm. So I really like this. So we're go- moving up the thinking ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this in a Google Doc uh-huh. that we can share. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have, Kim taught me this strategy a long time ago and I have used it many, many times because I mean, as teachers, we don't always want to read aloud the text. Mm-hmm. It's a, kind of, it's, it gives you an alternative and we don't want to just randomly call on kids to read. And so this gives an alternative. It does. And it, and it causes you to think about what you're doing there. Mm. You're reading, mm-hmm. you're listening, you're summarizing. You're hearing it twice. You're hearing it twice. Mm-hmm. You're summarizing it and really synthesizing the information because mm-hmm. you can't write everything down that you right heard. and so then and then you're writing I think it would be great if both people went ahead and wrote down you know after you both decide because then that so I, have two boxes for each partner to write or each partner have a paper each partner have a paper okay because two reasons one when we go back to our seats I we each have a summary of the whole passage Okay. And then second, I'm trying to negate behavior problems because if you're writing down and I'm sitting there waiting on you to write, right? something may happen. So maybe they just both. So Uh each student has this and then this is partner A's reading part, Mm -hmm. but we both write down what we've decided to be the most important thing. I, partner A is reading. You're still summarizing. You're you're still retelling for me. Then we work together and decide what mm-hmm. needs to be recorded. Then we both write. And then you both write. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I I mean, listeners, this is a that is a great strategy to use because it does mix up the reading. Mm-hmm. And so many of our kids are struggling reading, especially that science stuff or that social mm-hmm. studies stuff. And so, if I have my friend Kim to help me. It makes it much more. Yeah. Determine what's important too. That's really tough for kids because if it's in the book, they think it's all important. So determine (laughs) it's in there. The yellow highlighter. Yeah. (laughs) Everything's yellow. But um, I think determining what's important Mm. is good. Yeah. That if you go back to our episode 14, maybe when we talked about engagement, hitting that four 
mm-hmm. you know, hitting that level of a higher level of thinking and everybody's doing it probably or not probably passage, but uh, partner reading marks the box of yeah. four. And I think it takes it up a step from just, we're just reading to each other. Yeah. It gives us some, we, there's some accountability mm-hmm. and some life and some life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everybody needs some life in their classrooms. They do. All right. So my next strategy is called power writing and our friend Jeff Anderson taught this to us, but I am going to teach it to you in two different ways. So one way Jeff Anderson taught us and one way, I don't know if I made it up or stole it from somebody else, but we're going to but we, own it. we own it now. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. So power writing is a concept and Jeff didn't make it up. I can't remember who made it up, but he promoted it. And the reason why he does this strategy is a body in motion stays in motion. And so many of our kids writing muscles are weak, weak, weak. Yes. You know, even an older student, when they should be writing a 15 page essay, write a paragraph and say, that's it. Mm -hmm. And it's just, they don't have the stamina. They don't have the confidence. And so this strategy is for those students, but we do it for all. Okay. So the way you do this is everybody just has a blank sheet of paper or a blank Google doc. Okay. But half of them can't have a Google doc and half of them can't have paper. It is. We all are one. One or the other. other. Mm -hmm. And teacher just decide. And so what it is, is you put two topics up on the board. When I'm starting this with students, I always start out with pizza, money. (laughs) Because most people have an opinion about pizza and most people have about money. I let the student choose which topic they want to talk about. So you can only talk about money or you can only talk about pizza. And they always say, oh, I'm going to put them together. Nope, choose one. I would choose pizza because I have a strong passion for it. And what students would do is they are going to write as much as they can in one minute about that topic. And when I start this up, I say, okay, you've chosen your topic. How many of you have chosen pizza? Raise your hand. How many have you chosen money? All right. So you're going to write as much as you can, as fast as you can, as well as you can for one minute. So no one is asking you. How do I spell this? Or is this good? No, it's as, it's, it's as well as you can. And then you start the timer for one minute. Now, I like to do this too, because what we are doing is trying to see how many words we can get written. And I like to beat all of my students, no matter how old they are. <laughs> because she's competitive. Like I am that. competitive. And I gloat and I, I I celebrate it all. At the end of one minute, I say, oh, put those pencils down. No cheater, cheater, pumpkin eaters. Mark your line. And you're going to count your words. And so they all count their words and they put um, the number there and circle it. So then just depending on what age I'm doing, I'm, you know, I always start out with a number that I know they will all hit. Raise your hand, girls and boys, or ladies and gentlemen, if you got five words written down. Mm-hmm. Keep those hands up if you got 10. Keep those hands up if you got 15. And it's like, woo, celebrate, everybody. All right, let's do it again. And I do this one more time. So maybe I put up sports and art, or just two completely different words, mm-hmm. making sure that everybody has something to talk about. And then they do the same thing. Video games and LeBron James. Yes, there you go. (laughs) Um, 
And so again, what, what we're doing is trying to beat our score. I have made a chart before and where they just track this each time they do it. I do not do this every day. I don't do this every Tuesday. I just sprinkle it around. I'm just trying to promote good motion, writing fluency. Mm -hmm. And what, what I have the students do is, okay, write your highest score for today in the box. It's like an oral reading fluency. Yes, it is just like mm -hmm. it. And then the next time we do it, we, we try to say, okay, um, you know, write your high score here. And all those people who beat their score, raise your hand. Mm -hmm. Oh, let's celebrate great, great writers. So that's one way to do it. The second way to do it, I use this many times, probably more than the other time, is when we're starting a topic, um, I have them, I have them answer a question about the topic and we do a one minute write. I see how much they can do. They write their, they circle their, they write their number down, they circle it. And then I go teach my whole lesson. And at the end of the period, I have them answer the same question for a minute. And they're trying to see, can they not only increase the amount that they wrote, but uh, that they wrote, wrote mm -hmm. that they wrote, but also can they enhance the content? Mm. So if I were doing this to you listeners, <clears throat> On episode 14, I would have asked you, what is engagement and why is it important for teachers to study? And then after today's episode, I would have you pull that sheet of paper out or I would pass it back out and you would answer that same question. Mm. And hopefully I see improvement in both areas, but maybe it's just more, mm -hmm. more words, but hopefully the quality. Mm -hmm. So typically after I finish, I say, I want you to go in and highlight your favorite sentence and share that with your partner beside you. But it's called power writing, and you can use this really in uh, not math, friends. I don't think we could use it in math, but his any content, any uh, science, yeah, history and 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 um, literacy. I think you could definitely do it. But our, our kids will never become better writers if they're not writing, mm -hmm. and we have to first get them to write. Mm -hmm. And so adding a little fun to it and some competition, because when some kid beats me or some adult beats me, I make it a big deal. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so mad. Next time, next week, game on, brother. <laughs> you know, they get fired up. But this is a great, if you've ever read the Boy Riders book by mm -hmm. uh, Fletcher or anything about reluctant riders, this is a great strategy for them. I love Jeff Anderson. Oh gosh, he's in too. Europe right now. I think. Oh, well, too bad. I <laughs> we we need to join him. No, we could go do some power riding. I know. Okay, what's oh, your next my one? Next one. Oh, I just got so excited there. I just forgot. Oh, the next one is narrow it down. Mm. That is getting kids to summarize or it really synthesize the information in as few words. So let's say we teach uh, a topic. I don't know what. I've done this yeah, with um, phonological awareness. Okay. Like just learning right. what it is. Yeah. So tell me what phonological awareness is in 15 words. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now tell me what phonological awareness is in 10 words. Now five. Yeah. And they, they always are like, I can't do it in 15 and then they do it mm -hmm. and then it's then I'm like okay now I do it in 10 oh no I can't yeah, do it. Yeah. but it really makes 
like Kim said earlier, it makes things sift, you know, mm -hmm. and that is sift a sifting out. strategy. Yeah. And just, it's the essential, what you're left with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now in my little phonological awareness, um, thing, what I gave my students is I had like six different definitions of phonological awareness from six different sources. And so the four people at your table had different, different definitions. And so the way I did it is, okay, you have to narrow your definition down to 10 words because it was a lengthy, lengthy summary of it. And then now talk with your partner and you have to make a five word summary that combines yours and your partner's definition. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. You can be creative guys with this stuff. So like the fall of the Roman empire, mm. 20 words. Yeah. 20 words, fall of the Roman empire, 15 words, mm -hmm. 10 words. So you get down to that main piece yeah. that's really the root cause of the fall of the Roman Empire. And every once in a while, you can make them go down to one word. Ooh, that'd be tough. And that is fun because they're arguing about what's the one word. So what happens when you're arguing and debating? Oh, you're thinking. That's right. Well, and the volume gets loud, so you oh, have to control no, that. <laughs> but you're really thinking, you're really honing mm -hmm. in on what is most important. What's the most important. Yeah. MIT, the most important thing. You, people could do this with chapters, um, stories. Yeah. You could do this with. Yeah. Summarize uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears mm -hmm. in 10 words yeah. or 20 words. Start bigger, I think. Yeah, I think so. 20 words. Especially if you're doing a story, you need to start bigger. Yeah. But th there always has to be a next step, narrow it down. Mm -hmm. hmm. Make them. I love it. Make them get some urgency. Yeah. Okay, my fourth one is a tea party. Can we oh, go have some tea? I do. <laughs> so a I tea party tea is another pre-reading strategy. And what you do is you actually take things from the text, sentences from the text, and type them out. Um, I just put them all on one doc, print it out, and then cut each sentence apart. Every student in my class gets one sentence. Now, what I want you to know, listeners, is that I just don't go choose the first 20 sentences out of the chapter. I'm looking for 20 key sentences that they will come across okay. um, in the chapter. This okay. is pre-rating. They have not learned about the Egyptians. They have, this is, this is exposure one. Okay. And so what they do is Kim passes out a sentence to each person and they read it. And then we stand up and we put our pinky out because we're at a tea party and we're drinking and our we're tea. Fancy. We're very fancy. And at a tea party, the volume does not get high at all, but you are circulating around the room. You're moving. You're talking to this person for a little bit. Then you go talk to this person for a little bit. And we are so sophisticated as we talk. As we talk. So when I walk up to Kim, she has her sentence and I have mine. We both read our sentences. And then what we're doing is trying to figure out how could we connect? How could we possibly be related? It'd be so cute if you put them on little teacups. <laughs> I've never been that cute, but that would be very cute. And then we two leave each other and we go find a new partner. Now, when I go to my new partner, I'm going to read my sentence. They're going to read their sentence. 
but we also have just visited with two other people. So that's in the back. And I can be like, oh my gosh. You need to talk to Laura. Yeah. Kim's talked about that a little bit. And so then we're just generating ideas. So it's a little bit like probable passage because they're predicting. Mm -hmm. And and it really is. It's it's a social thing. It's so good. I love it. So I did this with um, 10th grade world history. Yeah, I think it was 10th grade. And it was about. Oh, the Protestant, what is it called? Reformation. Reformation. And so they would just get little clues about the Catholics and little clues about Martin Luther and little clues. But by the end, after they switched about five or six times, you don't go to all 20 people. They had a little bit of a clue of what we might be talking about. And then we had a class conversation. And of course, that was guided by me. And so I would write up some things on the board and I'd, and I'd say, all right, so as we start this chapter, this is on what we're on the lookout for to either confirm or change our mind. Okay. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Love it. Love it. Too. All right. What's your last one? I would love it even more if we had a little pet of force and little, <laughs> little sandwiches. <laughs> Snacks, snack and tea party. <laughs> My last one is the sage and scribe. Mm, this so our math and people will like this one. Yes, because mm-hmm. this is really good for math. So the sage ha- has to explain to the scribe. So let's role play here. Okay, I am the sage and you're the scribe, and I'm going to teach you how to um, add three digit numbers with regrouping. I All don't right. know. That's as high as I can go. There. <laughs> Especially at, after work. Yeah. And I explained to you how to do that process. Okay. And you can only do what, what I tell you to do. Mm-hmm. This is a good volume control one too. Yes. So I, you can't, you might can coach me, but you can only do what I, what I tell you to do. Okay. So 436 oh. <laughs> plus 879. All right. And then, so you're going to guide me through that. I will write down what you've done. But even what if you tell- I'm wrong. Oh. Yeah. And then we can talk about it after. And then we talk about it after. Okay. Yeah. And then we switch roles. And then we switch roles. Okay. So, oh, math teachers. Because you... I have to be, if I can explain it to you, Mm -hmm. then I really own it, Yeah. right? And if I'm messing up, now a a scribe can say, can coach me. Okay. You could say, hmm. Are you sure? That's more than, there are, there's. I can't, I can't. There are 10, there's a, there's a 10 in there. Mm. Is there something I should do with that? And then I can say, oh, you need to put that 10 in the tens place. Okay. And just write down your ones. So this would be a very important strategy to model and kind of think through what, what problems you might Mm -hmm. encounter. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can give the kids sentence stems for how to conquer their problems. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. I disagree or I agree or tell me more. Are you sure? Tell me more would be really good (laughs) Mm -hmm. because if I said, okay, that, in the ones place, nine plus six, that's 15. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, tell me more. Tell me like, more. I can't write 15 there. So tell me more. Right. Yeah. 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 And that breaks up the monotony of just always working problems. Mm-hmm. 
and right. um, and you've got now you have half the class being teachers, yeah, and yeah. half the class being very coaching. observant, observant <laughs> and coaching if they need to yeah. or asking good questions. Uh, so how could I use that outside of math? Well, I think you could do that easily with revision. Mm. Ooh. I think you could do that revising a piece. Uh-huh. So you're working through and you're the scribe and I'm telling you what kinds of revisions need to be mm-hmm. made. Like in this first sentence, I don't, it's not clear um, who the, who the subject is, uh-huh. I don't know who this is about. Right. Or, and so the scribe then can make uh, that change yeah. or, or you could make the advice and I could make that change. That's right. Or I could say, <sighs> okay, this sentence says uh, they saw. Or they went. Mm-hmm. Let's try. Let's think of a different verb. A different verb might be journeyed. Okay. They journeyed to another. I've never land. thought about it as for a vision. Uh, well, it just kind of came to me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um. Okay. So that that's a great. One. Well, and you know what that does for writing? I that takes some pressure off me mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm. I'm you're, writing and thinking and writing and you're doing the writing and I can just do thinking. Think about when you and I travel together yes. and what one of us is typing and the other one's talking mm-hmm. and we're. You're doing most of the thinking and I'm typing and I'm just reflecting on it. Mm-hmm. And then you can ask me, well, wait a minute. What about yeah. this? So it's kind of the same thing. Oh, I really like that. Yeah. Okay, my last one is something called a research folder. And I have many of these made. Oh, yeah. I searched and searched today for them and cannot locate them. So if you're on YouTube, you can use my hands as your visual. And if you're a listener, I will just try my best to describe. So what I want you to picture is a folder with pockets. It does not have to have the brads, so it can be the really cheap ones. And on the left side of the folder, I have a graphic organizer that I have designed. I will tell you more about it in a minute. And on, and I have like four copies of that for each person at my table. And on the right side in that pocket, I have about eight different articles or pictures or it's some kind of text that is on the right side. And there is only one copy for each, for each article or picture. Okay. Okay. So on the left side, it's the same thing. On the right side, it is different things. So I'm going to give you an example. I have done these with at women's rights um, with, and with they were speeches. I had um, Sojourner's Truth, Ain't I a Woman, mm-hmm. I, so, which is a shorter one and a simpler one. I had Hillary Wadham Clinton's um, speech that she presented, I think, in China, the women's rights or human, human rights. rights. Yeah. yeah. Well, it a good so it's very long and lengthy. Then I've got like a Shirley Chisholm one. So just different authors. And so what that what the students do is they open up the folder, they each grab their their graphic organizer and they spread the articles out over the table. And then each person just pulls the things they want to look at. But they're all documenting the same thing. So on my graphic organizer, it said surprises. Um, the most important point from the speech. Um, things, a thing I want to remember and something confusing. 
And so everybody is tracking the same thing, but they are choosing the speeches they want to read. Okay. I've also done it with um, like environmental things. And so I had um, graphics that had infographics Mm -hmm. and I had articles. I had a poem that had about was about nature. And so the variety of texts that were in there were very different, which speaks to the differentiated needs in my class. Yes. And so there's always a variety of reading levels. And many times when I can, it's um, a variety of, I don't want to say it, like genres. Yeah, sometimes genres or just types of, you know, what I'm exposing them to. If you want to just do this all electronically, you could just attach the links to the visuals or the, you know, and they had the choice. But what this does is it taps student choice. Okay. It taps student needs, but yet they're all answering the same questions. Okay. What do they do at the end? Okay. So what I usually do is, okay. Tables, you're going to have a discussion at your table about the most important things you read. And they are writing down, like, I read Chisholm's speech, and this was the most important thing. Or I read Clinton's speech, and this confused me. So we're always citing, because in a conversation, you want to go back to mm-hmm. who you were, which article you were referring to. And then we have a class conversation. So I, as a teacher, have questions that I've had planned. Or I can just go with the graphic organizer. So every every table group has a folder. Has a folder, and in each folder are the same articles. Yes. So table one has these nine pieces, and table two has the same nine pieces. Okay. So I'm just coming up, and I, it is a lot of work on the front end. I will say that, but then I have I have used those women rights speeches. I think for 14 years, <laughs> lessons, like literally I've used it over and over. Uh-huh. So once it's made, it's made, but it's so good to, it's a very quiet strategy mm-hmm. and it's, it's just beautiful because we're all studying the same thing, but yet I don't have to have the same information. Right. I mean, you could, if you use Newzella or, um, what's that? Readworks. Readworks. You know, you could do the differentiated levels. Um, that would be easy to do too. Could you do that? I'm thinking of like um, AP Lit. Mm-hmm. So if you had a room of your own and oh man, like several I don't know short stories, short stories. Or, or poems. Mm-hmm. You know, especially like if you're studying a topic or studying a um, skill. And it was exposed in different texts. That would be good to do. Right. Too. If you were doing irony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you could have four different, five, six mm-hmm. different pieces that were good um, examples of irony. Yeah. Uh-huh. I did a workshop this fall and it was about student engagement. And I just put them on a quest. They were, they had to use the research I provided to answer two questions. What is engagement and why are we studying it today? Okay. And but they used all I think I had ten different sources, <clears throat> and I had a mixture of some online and some printed out, okay. and they just circulated around the room and but they were on the quest to answer those two questions okay it's really i mean it's it's simple once you get it going, and of course you have to model it 
but it, it will bring out a great class conversation. And then what I use it as is that's my springboard. Then we'll go into those concepts even deeper. Okay. Then they have something to attach it to. Okay. Huh. I love it. Yeah. I haven't done that. Oh, 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 I just, oh yeah. I just have so many ways I could show it, but anyway, <laughs> I'll share that with you later. Okay. <sighs> okay. Listeners. I think that's, it for today. Yeah. All right. We've done a lot. We have done a lot. Mm -hmm. So don't forget about episode 15. That's just for those general uh, strategies. If you want to get some strategies that would apply to all content areas, you can grab those there. And as always, share your strategies with your friends and make them share them back. And share this podcast. (laughs) Oh, please do. All right. Thank you for listening today. We're so glad you've been with us. And we hope that you've gathered at least one idea that you can add to your strategy bank. It's so important to mix up things in your classroom because we need variety, not only for your students, but for yourself. All right, please share this podcast with others. Rate and review on your podcast app. Doing that will help others find us. We hope that today has helped you in some way. Our goal is to help Our goal is to at least help one teacher, help one student, one day, and one time. That's right. See you next time, guys.